Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Monday, March 16th. Stocks are trading very poorly everywhere. Uh, Asia finished in the red. Asia actually is trading better than uh, Asia finished better than Europe and the US are doing. The US futures went limit down um, pretty soon after opening last night after the Fed. And the major, so the US futures are down 129 points. That's about 4.8%. And Europe's major indices are off. Eight and a half percent. So there are, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces this morning. Obviously, coming in to Monday after the huge sprint higher on Friday, um, you know, created a mild near-term headwind to begin with, and then I think investors are kind of, um, you know, grappling with, like I said, a lot of moving pieces in the market. So the big theme for this morning is a slew of emergency central bank actions announced in the last uh, twelve to eighteen hours. So the Fed kicked things off Sunday evening. And then you had emergency measures out of the Bank of Japan, the Bank of New Zealand, the Bank of Korea, um, the Royal Bank of Australia, all came out with either emergency cuts or emergency liquidity injections. And obviously, this follows from last week, you had an emergency BOE decision, and then you had the scheduled DCB decision on Thursday. So there's been an enormous amount of monetary accommodation unleashed in the market, including rate cuts, liquidity injections, and balance sheet expansion. Um Obviously, that has not helped markets um, enormously since since this all really kicked off. You know, you could go back to the beginning of March with the emergency Fed cut, the fifty basis point cut. But really, in the last week, you've had um, all the world's major central banks announce you know policy easing to one degree or another. Um, so clearly, not helping. And just kind of, I'll run through quickly. I think this morning, what some of the talking points are as far as um, you know why markets are on nerves. So. You know, again, I think the fact that they, these are all emergency unscheduled cuts is unnerving sentiment a little bit, especially for the Fed and the BOJ. The Fed had a meeting scheduled this Wednesday. The BOJ's meeting was scheduled on Thursday. The fact they felt that they couldn't wait just another couple of days to make these decisions, um, I think, is unnerving sentiment to a degree. Uh, you know, just in terms of monetary policy in general, this gets back to the original, you know, that something that I've been talking about for a while where yields are already extraordinarily low in this environment and you're dealing with a particular crisis that's not really going to be responsive to um, incremental accommodation. This is, you know, this is a financially agnostic pathogen. This is not a trade dispute. This is not a banking crisis. Um, so, the, the, you know, the nature of this crisis is not one that's really going to be responsive to huge amounts of monetary accommodation. Um, Powell's press conference last night, you know, recall there had been some hope that the, you know, with this Rosengren speech that was issued um, a couple of weeks ago talking about how future quantitative easing policies from the Fed will likely require changes versus the original ones back coming out of the financial crisis in that given yields are so low, the Fed will probably have to be targeting an expanded pool of assets. Implicit in that comment was corporate bonds um, being considered for purchase. So Powell was asked explicitly about that on the call on the press conference last night and, and pushed back very hard. So the Fed is not asking Congress for any additional permission or authorization, um, you know, to expand out its toolkit. I will say though that Mnuchin made a comment yesterday when he was speaking on the Sunday talk shows about how the Treasury is actually going to be asking Congress. Um, you know, recall some of the post-crisis financial regulations, including under Dodd-Frank, took away some of the Fed's authority. Um, you know, the Fed acted in extraordinary ways during the depth of the financial crisis to provide assistance to a whole slew of companies. Um, so that was taken away from the Fed during some of the post-crisis pieces of legislation. And Mnuchin said that he would be going to Congress and asking 
for some of those powers to be restored, just given the environment, given how it will be crucial for the Fed to have flexibility. So it's unclear kind of where all that stands. I know the Fed is very reluctant to ask Congress to kind of open up some of the laws governing Fed powers just because they fear that um, you know they could they could have even further authorities stripped away. But like I said, Mnuchin said he'll be going and asking for some of those authorities to be restored. Um, the Fed is not going to be publishing an updated dot plot and an updated set of economic forecasts that was expected to come out with the Wednesday meeting. And Powell essentially said there's no use in trying to forecast in this environment given how uncertain things are. So again, just kind of adding to the uncertainty, the fact that you had to accelerate this meeting by three days and the fact that you find it you know, you find yourself incapable of even making forecasts was not the most encouraging message. Um, on top of all that, you've had, you know, an enormous amount, an expanded amount of travel and assembly restrictions announced throughout the US, throughout Europe. You've had, you know, complete shutdowns now rather than just restrictions. You have a lot of just outright shutdowns of activity. Um, and the result is going to be, you know, an, an enormous dip in or an enormous contraction in economic activity across the world. Um, you know, you had some, you have some pretty draconian uh, GDP assumptions being forecast. It's it's nearly inevitable that you're going to see a recession, probably a global recession. You had the China data out um, this morning for January and February. That was obviously the the peak of its uh, coronavirus crisis period. It showed a sharp decline in activity. That's retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investment. So the growth ramifications of all this, I think. Um, you know, continue to grow by the day as far as the, uh, the, you know, the crater that's going to be left when and if activity normalizes after all this. So, you know, I listed all of this out in the vital dawn as far as all of the restrictions and the cancellations and the closings that were announced. Um, but there were a ton of them. And like I said, it's kind of shifting from disappearing, you know, restriction to just outright shutting down. Um, you've had school cancellations in a lot of major markets in the US. A lot of European countries are completely shut down. Um, so obviously, I think that's another issue that investors and markets are grappling with. And again, if a lot of these companies, especially in the travel and leisure sector, um, you know, a lot of them have balance sheet risk in this type of environment. They just can't cope um, with with a complete decline um, or a complete evaporation of sales and earnings for a period of time, the balance sheets really are unable to withstand it. So, you know, you continue to have reports about the government possibly providing assistance to some of these really beleaguered industries, but it's unclear where that stands. So just moving on, you continue to have, especially out of Italy, the coronavirus case and mortality figures out of Italy um, remain horrendous. So the Italy has has imposed um, you know, very, very severe and strict restrictions on movement and assembly. So far, it has not moved the needle in terms of leading to, um, you know, an abatement of, of the incremental cases. And they, the mortality rate in Italy is much higher than in other markets. Um, and then I will say, too, that in the U.S., given that testing is is expanding, you're probably going to see a pretty big spike in, in the U.S. reported cases. It's not an issue of the you know, the coronavirus is necessarily spreading at a, at a more rapid pace. It's just an issue of uncovering all the existing cases. Um, on on the issue of buybacks, you had major banks last night. So the eight big banks in the U.S. all suspended their buybacks um, for the rest of Q1 and Q2. So obviously, you know, it's unclear if that's going to kind of set off a trend in corporate America, whereby companies suspend buybacks just to focus their attention on dealing with the crisis. But if that were to occur, that obviously removes a huge area of support from the market. Um, for the bank specifically, I think, you know, some of this is is very much, um, you know, kind of an optics issue of in terms of responding to the crisis and devoting excess capital 
to to lending and supporting the economy. I don't think it's an issue necessarily that they have to shut off the buybacks. I think they all are are extraordinarily well capitalized and they have more than enough money. So I think it's more a PR decision. Um, you know, and this is in conjunction with the Fed announcements last night, where the Fed also, in addition to rate cuts, um, made some changes as far as bank capital and liquidity requirements, all designed to help increase lending. So I think if banks had their buybacks kept at full speed um, after those Fed changes, I, you know, I, I think the optics of that would not be helpful for the industry. So that's, I think, the explanation for the buybacks getting turned off. I don't think it means anything about, like I said, their capacity to return capital. The dividends are fine. Um, this is just kind of a temporary adjustment, but it does remove a big buyer from the market. And then finally, I think you know this Rose Garden appearance that Trump made on Friday, um, which which coincided with a large jump in the market and appeared at that time that you know there finally was kind of a a federal um, a federal comprehensive and cogent strategy on testing, expanding testing, and having comprehensive testing availability throughout the country. Um, it looks like some of the claims he made during that press conference were exaggerated. Um, you know, this Google website that uh, that was supposed to be launching nationwide to help um, the, to help possible patients go to it and, and and locate a testing facility near them. That is only rolling out in a very limited market initially. It's unclear when it's going to roll out nationally. And then all of these private companies that were at the White House on Friday, um, Target, Walmart, CVS, and others. Um, where they were supposed to kind of set up these drive-through testing facilities um, on in their parking lots, it's unclear where that stands. It doesn't seem like that necessarily is going to occur imminently. So, all those factors, and I laid all that out in the Vital Dawn today, and, and a lot more. It's a it's a longer piece than normal. I think all those factors are weighing on markets this morning and creating um, you know a lot of the anxiety and tension. You know, I had been calling for a, a rebound in the market since Thursday morning. I I still stick with that view. I, I you know I don't. I am not positive by any means as far as the broader landscape. Um, I just think in the very near term, you have the conditions in place, including very oversold conditions, even you know, even with Friday um, included in that. Um, you do have an enormous amount of monetary combination, which I don't think is really going to move the needle as far as real growth, but it should have an effect on financial markets. And in particular, I think um, for the Fed, at least, the real target market was not stocks so much as it was corporate bonds. So we'll have to see how corporate bonds trade Later today, um, when they open, but I think corporate bond spreads had you know had been a, a huge area of concern for the Fed, and that really was what um, it is intending to target. And so, assuming you do see corporate spreads um, start to contract and you see high yield prices stabilize, I think stocks will follow that. Um, so, for all those reasons, I still think that you can see a rebound. It, you know, it's going to be a very quick one. It's not going to be a substantial one. I still think again that valuations before all the coronavirus crisis hit were too elevated. So there's no reason to think that um, stocks should go anywhere back to those highs. Um, but I, I still do think that you can see a bounce. But obviously, it's going to stay extremely volatile and markets will stay in a state of flux for a very long time. Um, so that is it as far as kind of the rundown. Like I said, there's a lot more news out there this morning. I'm not going to be able to go through everything on this call. On the calendar... You are going to have an ECB, I'm sorry, you're going to have a Eurozone financial ministers meeting today. There will be an announcement after that, likely talking about increased fiscal stimulus. Um, again, Germany is the big wild card. It does not seem that you're going to see an enormous number out of Germany, um, despite some of the reports about how they're abandoning their balanced budget, etc. There is a G7 leaders conference call today as well. Um, other than that, it's a relatively quiet week. So the BOJ and the Fed 
you know, like I said, they brought forward their meetings, so they're not going to be holding their scheduled meetings on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and other than that, you know, as far as scheduled news is concerned, you have another round of primaries Tuesday evening, and you have a couple of earnings, but there's not a lot of scheduled news this week. Um, so that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.